Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are finishing Secret History, which is Secret History Part 6, Chapters 5 through 9, plus epilogue. And then we're going to have our special live read of The Traveler. Very exciting. So I am Data, and with me is... Joe. Jack. And Jamie. So in these chapters... Basically, we go. Uh, we're 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 sticking with Kelsier slash preservation right up through the end of Hero of Ages as he attempts to influence Spook and other things that happening, and then we go a little bit past the end of Hero of Ages. So that's exciting. And then completely different thing, not in any way related to what we've already read. The the traveler and uh, his friend have a little discussion. Hang on to something, everybody. The Sandra Lanch is about to begin. Bring out the brother in me. Everything is changing inside of me. Something, something. Dormez-vous. The, the, the special music is because I'm on vacation and forgot to bring the music files. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, short, uh, shortish section that we read this time, plus the little, the little sh- uh, short story thing. What did you guys think? Of what we read this week. So uh, it was it was cool. It was it was kind of it was fun. I would say to kind of fit the puzzle pieces together with how how Kelsier's role in in everything in Hero of Ages, basically his his entire role from the time that he he passed away to the end of the trilogy. I liked the way that they wrapped it up. I liked him being able to talk to Vin and Ellen. And I liked also that he got to talk to Says, which I mean, we knew we kind of knew that, but it was it was nice to actually get to see it. The thing I'm a little concerned about is uh, the fact that he's still like in existence, technically. And he's still kicking like, around. At the end yeah, there. right. And and it's just like, oh, boy, this is this is uh, kind of sad because it's like literally unless he finds some way which they kind of hinted at to, to tie himself back to the physical world and then he could die like again he literally won't die and won't be able to like go on and be with his wife and stuff so it's kind of sad in that in that respect and then of course the epilogue has the has the nice little uh teaser for the possibility of of Spook and and Kelsier kicking around throughout the ages. It sounds like Spook's gonna like live forever, which to me sounds awful. So, but yeah, that. yeah. But I am excited about the potential for kind of what could happen in in the future, and and them possibly kind of being background players in in other books or on other worlds. It's uh it's a cool idea. So, I'm excited to see uh to see maybe see that play out i mean i know i don't know what to expect from the from the next set of books how how clear it will be that if they're in it at all or but yeah it was it was really good finish i felt like it 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 kind of wrapped things up for me nicer than if i just read the third book so like this takes a little bit of the sting away i feel like from from the ending of the third book for me being able to get this behind the scenes stuff because you kind of get like a wrap-up like she gets to talk to kelsier Ellen gets to talk to Kelsier, Ellen and Vin are together. Like you actually get to see that or read that. So yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think this was a good, 
good time to put this here. I'm glad that we read this right after the third book. I think it was a good time to read it. Yeah, I really like seeing the two of uh, Ellen and Vin reunited for a moment at the end there. That uh, that helps me uh, get over the sadness of their deaths. But I, I, I hope you guys, as Joe said, can appreciate why we ended up reading this here. Because if we'd read five other books and then come back and read this, it's kind of like, well, do you remember the, the scene where Kelsier finds the drifter down there and tries to get Vin away from him? Do we remember what happened in the third book after we've read, you know, it's been a, a year since then. Do we remember what happened at the end of the book uh, when we're seeing, you know, Ellen and Vin come together and say, show up, would you have, would it have been as impactful if we'd moved really far away from that and then come back to revisit? And I felt like one of the reasons I've, I wanted to read it here was because I felt like you, it really increases the impact uh, if one reading it at this point. Yeah, that's fair. I do. I, I agree. I think we read this at the right time and it just sort of enhanced little things that we saw in the background uh honestly i felt like this ended kind of abruptly but that might just be because you know we did know where for the most part most of this was going and we knew that kelsey couldn't really affect stuff too much i guess after his little es- escapades that we read through last time where he was off doing his own thing and def- affecting the world around him at large we didn't know where that was going to go maybe that just sort of got me out of the mindset of yeah he is only in the background can only manipulate things like sort of slightly but that's but that's okay. It was it was it was still a good read. Like Joe said, I loved that Kelsey got to talk to the others after they died. I feel like Says probably could have taken the preservation or whatever out of Kelsey and let him move on from then. But maybe there's rules around that we don't know yet. So I don't know. I loved the fact that he finally got to deck Atty. He's definitely <laughs> definitely yep. been waiting a while for that one. So he's you know whatever makes you feel good, Kelsey. Our only thing about this I don't think I really liked was the fact that. Kelsier was setting Marsh up to be the one to take the spike out of Vin. Like I get, you know, it's part of his long con that he was running, and it makes him Kelsier look brilliant in front of in front of uh, Ruin and taking him down a peg. Kind of wish that I that we it's it's still got to be Marsh's development that he came to all of his own accord. I mean, you get you can still make the argument that, that is exactly what Marsh did. He because he just had Kelsier was just sort of pushing him in the right direction without him realizing, but. I don't know that for something for some reason that just sort of irked me a little bit. It's like let Marsh have this one. Like he's been through enough. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, I, I see your point because Marsh he doesn't get a whole lot of wins, and it's not like it's it's not like it's not still his thing. Like you said, because Kelsier just arranges for him to get the information. That was the only way yeah. that he could get the information to him. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna get this information here. It's not like he makes him do whatever it is he does. He just gives him the opportunity. But at the same time, it's like, oh, really? You got to, like, take your brother's, like, spotlight again, Kelsier? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just one of the, one of those little things. Like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's also a thing. But ultimately, for the story as a whole, I think it is... It's the best kind of side story. It's ones like, if you never read this, the original trilogy would still be sufficient. You like, you wouldn't have to be like, I don't understand how this happened. Like, that. this, this all still works really well. Reading this does enhance what's going on behind the scenes but it's not essential reading like a lot of side stories like, it really bothers me when it's like something that's published as part of a, a novella or a, a compilation that might be a, a bit harder to get a hold of but you have to read that to understand what's going on in the main story i don't like it when books do that so oh no yeah, yeah. so yeah this this was the good kind of side story have any of you guys ever read the uh the 
well, I guess Ender's Game, but like the series of books that happen after Ender's Game. No, I never read COD stuff. Mm-mm. Me neither. So there's, it's it's weird because it like splits into two. Like if, uh, at the at the end of Ender's Game, like the main character goes off and does this thing, and then there's a trilogy of books that follow him as he's going off into the galaxy doing stuff. But then there's more books that follow the side characters that were left behind, like on Earth and what they do. But one of the books completely like rewrites the story of the original book. Basically, it's like from a perspective of another of a side character from the original book. And basically, it's like, oh, all the things that the main character accomplished in the original book. Actually, this side character did those things and it was just set up to look like the main character did those in the original book. And it drives me insane. Like, why would you do that? It changes the whole story. That doesn't doesn't make sense. No, yeah, that's weird. But anyway, that's just what you it reminded me of when you were talking about side stories. Which that is even just like that isn't even a little side story. That's like an entire novel. But it's yeah, yeah, that's frustrating. That's that's like oh, we're gonna write this completely separate book which flips the other books on their head. Mm -hmm. But it's like sort of it's not part of the main series. It's next to the main series. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. But I agree with you about short stories. Like I like the way the Dresden Files does that, where it's like there might be like if you don't read the short stories and there's so many of them, there might be like a line or two that you don't get. But uh, and so you get that little bit of an additional like, oh, I get what he's referencing with like that one line. But it yeah, doesn't like yeah. hurt the main series if you haven't read them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's it's like, yeah, it doesn't you don't have to read them to understand the the book that you're actually reading at the moment so i think that's the, that's the main thing yeah i agree i think this this short story on the side it gave us that bit of closure the things that we were really looking for from the wrap-up of of book three we and we were like oh i really hope you know that these guys got to speak to each other and i hope this happened i hope that happened and it was really nice to sort of see that come together at the end of, of these chapters when i saw in the epilogue and i was like oh kelsey and spook and now he has an ear. Oh, good. They're going to go off and be best friends now. Oh, no. Joe is going to be so happy. <laughs> oh, spook. But I think, yeah, this was the perfect spot to read this, you know, to get this straight away while while the, the trilogy was fresh. I think it was excellent. And I actually really enjoyed Kelsey's interactions, I guess, with each of the characters that he spoke to as they passed as well. I thought it was, it was really nice that he finally got those moments because, I mean, he, he died fairly abruptly in book one. So it was, it was nice to sort of see that. And I, I look forward to seeing how this story ties into future stories. Cause I know obviously there are things that have popped up in this book that we, we don't have any other context. So it'll be really good to see all of that come together. I was actually going to yeah, t- sort of take the opposite thing from Dak that, you know, I was really pleased that Marsh still made that decision on his own. Like, like it's Kelsey. I couldn't have predicted that Marsh was going to come across and kill Gorodell. That wasn't that definitely wasn't his plan, but you know he was kind of relying on the fact that once it was Marsh, that you know I think he says the line you should have you shouldn't have picked the good brother to be the Inquisitor because he was going to do the right thing when he could. If I've drawn your attention long enough, it actually gives him the opportunity to do a good thing. So I was I was actually quite pleased with that um, in the end. But yeah, it was it was nice. It was it was good to read. Really liked it. Yeah. Marsh is the good brother. Now he's the one with spikes. Was it to our knowledge he's still out there? We still haven't well, seen the end of Marsh, have we? Yeah, yeah that it didn't was... happen here. He's still he's still alive. I'm calling yep. it again. 
<laughs> that was Dak's whole thing at the end of the third book. He's like, we didn't see Marsh die or anything. Marsh is still no. out there somewhere. And yeah, once again here, it's like, Kelsey doesn't, like, once again, Marsh takes Ellen's head off, and that's the last we see of him. Kelsey's like, hey, where'd my, where'd my spiky brother go? None of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost theoretically like intentionally too, left out. If Kelsey was like, hey, make Spook a Mistborn, couldn't he have said, hey, can you fix my brother while you're at it? Right? <laughs> like he's, he's more concerned about Spook than he is about his brother. It's kind of mm-hmm. harsh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah, never thought about that before, about that. but that's kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, clearly, clearly you can remove the spike and fix mm. the body. So, mm. Marsh is fine. It's fine. <laughs> Imagine this whole this whole new world. He's the last Inquisitor, and it's like, oh yep, there's all these normal people. There's green grass. There's flowers. Look at this beautiful world. And then there's Spiky over here. Really? <laughs> we, yeah. we couldn't fix him. That might. I mean, horrible pain. How would people even think about him at that point? Like, especially if he lives longer, like we talked about at the end of book three, like maybe he could, you know, use his Lord Ruler basically powers to live longer than normal. Like people mm. who, who who never knew Inquisitors and they see like Marsh hanging around, like how would they react? That'd be freaky. Inquisitors yeah. have been around long enough. They'll probably enter into like the stuff of legends. Mm, it's true. And then like he'll be the legend come to life. They're just <clears> like, <throat> oh, God. Yeah. He'll He's... turn up in like the third trilogy or something. <laughs> like all these like people. A... He's like or, a boogeyman. You know, learning about <laughs> learning about Luthadel of the past or something, and then all of a sudden Marsh will turn up, and it's like it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and I, I thought there, about this. Tell. I thought about this too. Was so if Kelsier had Spook use hemology so that he could see Kelsier, mm-hmm. like what does that mean for Kelsier that that he somehow been endowed with some kind of ruin power i i don't really that that part at the end was confusing to me and if that is also the case if if hemalurgy allows you to see kelsier then then potentially he could go find marsh and talk to him because marsh would be able to see him right yeah he says what he what he says to spook at the end is you have both the like cracked brain or mind or whatever and a hemalurgic spike so i guess if marsh never went crazy enough or I whatever mean, maybe he wouldn't he went pretty crazy I, yeah okay I that's fair. He's, he's been pretty traumatized by this point yeah oh for sure <laughs> yeah that's a good question actually can marsh see kelsier he's seen some shit through those spike eyes of his yeah yeah you can't even like see normal stuff you, you see like with with allomancy or whatever you see outlines of lines so if, could Basically you even see up. like a weird ghost thing that showed up Magically, I, I mean, I don't know. He could at least talk to him, and he yeah, you he, think that he would be, he should be able to hear him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's I don't like, know. I, uh, this is my punishment for my sins under ruin to hear my idiot brother's voice for the rest of eternity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Data's Data's saying he doesn't know, but I feel like he does know. <laughs> oh, if anyone was gonna know, yeah, be him. If anyone was gonna know, it'd be Brandon. To be fair, but that's uh, true. <laughs> If anybody hosting this or on this show was going to know. Yeah, it's okay. gonna be you. <laughs> that's fair. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess let's get into these chapters. We start out with cha- it, it's kind of weird when I'm like, let's get into these chapters. And then we don't have uh, a little bit before the beginning of the chapter. Mm-hmm. No, 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 an epigraph. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, we're just going God right into it. it. Okay. <laughs> oh, you idiot. 
So, so Kelsier is a god still, just in, in case anyone had forgotten. And uh, he's like, Ruin won't let me do anything, so I need to need to find some place where Ruin's not paying so much attention. And that place, as it turns out, is Erto. Which, and here's the thing, it's kind of like what Dak was talking about. Like, we knew or had a good idea about what we theorized that Kelsier had managed to accomplish. And when you get to the end of this section, it's like he didn't accomplish that much more than we were already pretty sure he had accomplished, right? Like, he didn't do something amazing that we had no idea he had done. So I could see how it would be a little bit of a letdown at that point when it's like, oh, well, we already knew he talked to Spook, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for all those listeners that said, I can't wait to see their minds blown, I, I-, I got to be fair here. My mind was not blown. <laughs> and maybe it's because, like I said, I went in pre-blown, but no, I mean, there was yeah. no mind blowing. Yeah, I-, I agree. Maybe it's just because like, we knew Kelsey was involved in this point, whereas we didn't know he was involved with the stabbing of Elland in Well of Ascension, so that bit was more shocking than this was. Mm. I think the mind blown was just supposed to be like, oh my gosh, Kelsier's still alive, and he met God, and there's 16 shards and all that stuff from the first couple episodes we did. Yeah. I mean, I guess. That's, yeah. uh, I mean, that was cool for sure, but uh, I feel like we're kind of expecting weird stuff now. <laughs> you can't out weird me i already expected weird. yeah gotta get up pretty early in the morning to out weird me <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but uh so yeah kelsier is uh, he's gonna go and check out spook he's like oh man spook's messed up he's like driven to the brink of madness stumbling onto the stage ruin wearing kelsier's form is trying to make him kill somebody is that me? Is that me better than me? I'll fucking kill me. <laughs> it's kind of sad that he's not even surprised. Like, we don't get a moment where Kelsier's like, what What am I doing there? It's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, everyone's pretending to be me. I get it. Okay. I see what's happening. We, we were so hoping for, like, dueling Kelsier's uh, earlier with Orser and Kelsier's bones or just some, some sort of reaction from somebody who knew what was going on with the ruined fake Kelsier, like, confronting him. And we never get it. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Let's see, yeah, Tensoon carried those bones for, like, most of the book, and, like, aside from that one thing he did when he first got them, he didn't use them. Yeah. Missed opportunity, Tensoon. Although, you know, maybe he's, he still has the bones. Although he's dead. Never mind, right? <laughs> he's I, not I dead. He's just he's as, brain as dead. Yeah. He's, 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 he's a blob. Healthy as bones in I was gonna his say, body. Brain dead. Is he blob dead? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where where uh, Mistraiths or a conjure keep their brains. So syntax around them is so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they have like distributed. Probably the brains. brain. I was about to say, yeah, the brain probably is like distributed throughout the blobby body. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I lost my leg and all the memories of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, dumped my. They dumped acid on me and part of me burned away and now i can't remember my name <laughs> i can no longer like interpret visual signals this is unfortunate i can't feel pleasure only pain <laughs> oh geez that would that's unfortunate very yeah and uh, so we got ruin whispering uh, or even yelling things at spook in kelsier form and kelsier's just there going hope no no not what he said not murder destroy ruin not murder death kill hope Hope. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> I was just watching Demolition Man on because it's on uh, it's on uh, HBO Max. It's a good movie. 
Eh. <laughs> it's a good movie. Don't end me. Uh, might be might be the best ever Stallone movie. Yeah, maybe it's like it's like the Fifth Element before the Fifth Element, but the Fifth Element's way better. Eh, okay. The Fifth Element. I was gonna say the bad guy in the Fifth Element isn't as good, but he's pretty good. He's always good, and you know he's Commissioner Gordon. He's Zorg. He's he's just always good. Yeah. Okay. Wesley Snipes is a really fun bad guy in that movie, though. What am I going to do with an empty case? What am I supposed to do with an empty case? Not one or two or three, but four stones. Okay, sorry. We keep coming back to Wesley Snipes. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You can never get too far from Wesley Snipes. That's right. Wesley Snipes (laughs) as a Roshek. Oh, there you go. (laughs) But yes, Kelsey, you're... Is is it is, is that the joke that they make in Avatar that like guitar is always going on about like hope? Yep. Because that that that's what reminded me of here where Kelsey is just like hope, hope, and like he's tear bending. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it made me think it's like a subliminal message and made me think of that Family Guy joke where he's like smoke <laughs> the smoking yeah smoke. Are you smoking yet? <laughs> We have, we have three levels of advertising: subliminal, liminal, and superliminal. Superliminal. Yeah, I'll show you. Hey, you! Join the navy. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yes. So Spook, Kelsey's like, oh, you poor kid. Ruin has his like spider leg knives spearing into the broken shape he wore destruction sprouted from the figure and became black mist it's just all of these spider references are creepy and now they're spider leg knives so it's it's even worse oh, it's just like those things from um name of the wind the oh, oh the yeah the, that the, turn up uh, at the start yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i don't remember their name the scrail that's the scrail called. is the ones it, i was thinking of like uh and now i've lost it what's the the, the movie about the little girl Coraline. Coraline and the freaky spider mother. Yeah. Anyway, so he sees that Spook's all, his spirit is broken and cracked, and so he's going to help. So uh, it twisted Kelsier about seeing the faith of this youth, faith in, faith in him, Kelsier the survivor. So he's like, Spook, Spook, our city is burning. Thousands will die in the flames. Do you really want to be like me? Then fight when you're beaten. Although, I think if you go back and read the third book, at least the edition that we had, maybe they changed it in a later edition, it says, do you really want to be like Kelsier? Then fight when you're beaten. So, there's a little change there. Maybe because we were hearing it from Spook's perspective. Yeah. Maybe, like, he subliminally was like, oh, be like me. And he, it's Kelsier's voice, so he's like, do I want to be like Kelsier? But yeah. I'm just trying to help Brandon out here. So. <laughs> well, and I mean, in in a little bit, we get the thing where he's like, I aimed you. Wasn't that good enough? And that is what he says in what it says in the book. So it's kind of. Yeah, that was more, a lot more explicit. You know, there's a little bit of it both ways, basically. But he's trying to help Spook and ruins, finds it, spots him and rebuffs him again. He's like, whatever you do, I can counter. But he got enough through that Spook does what we see Spook do and goes and saves the city. But it's like anyone else feel like any time Ruin shows up, he's just singing anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> That's all yes, he does. I do that. Absolutely. It's, it's more like anything you can do, I can undo better. Yeah. That doesn't, it's not as pithy for a song, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, 
It's like a non-Borg version of saying resistance is futile. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah I see that. Yeah. It's like, no matter what you do, it doesn't work. Ha ha ha, I am better than you. But anyway, he, he, he still encourages Spook, and we get to the part where he can hear Spook thinking, Kelsier didn't care about me. Because remember, we learned earlier that preservation can hear thoughts while Ruin is the one that can speak into thoughts. But apparently something about uh, his spirit being so cracked lets Kelsier in to whisper to him. Where he's like, he can hear Spook thinking, Kelsier didn't care about me. He didn't think about me. And he's like, I named you, Spook. You were my friend. Isn't that enough? And he's like, I'm sorry for what you must do, Survivor. So he calls, he, he's, you know, Spook's a legit Survivor now. Uh, signed off on by Kelsier. I know Survivors, man, and you a Survivor. <laughs> he can start franchise. <laughs> I hereby grant you the title of Junior Survivor. <laughs> it's like you need three Survivor merit batches, and then you can rank up. You saved one city, yeah. but that's not nearly enough to, you know. <laughs> you also have to learn how to cook. That's very important to survive. <laughs> so you need a cooking merit badge and probably a camping merit badge as well. Sure, sure. As, as, as you do. But I do like that we get like we we got and we knew when we read the book that what we were getting was the very end of this conversation as Spook wakes up because it's like, remember this Spook? Just like, you know, uh, don't trust anyone pierced by metal. Vin doesn't know so on and so forth. But it was pretty clear that this was like the end of a longer discussion that we didn't get to hear. And now we get to see the whole thing, which I I like that a lot. Yeah. And Spook's just like, man, what is this? And Kelsier says half dream whatever that means. Uh, he, and he's pulling out grass and chewing on it. And Spook's like, what are you doing? And he's like, man, this stuff looks so strange. Just like Mare always said it with this green grass. And he's like, so you're eating it? I'm chewing it mostly. I'm just curious. <laughs> and Spook's like, whatever, this doesn't matter. You're not real. Because he's like, eh, well, kind of. I'm not completely real. Haven't been since I died, but I'm also a god. So I think it's complicated. <laughs> Uh, Kelsier. And so he they go into it. They talk about the other him, Ruin. He's like, no, I'm different from that guy. And Spook's like, man, you were always so harsh. I could see, like, deep down that you really hated the nobility, and I thought that hatred was what made you so strong. And it's an interesting point that we've talked about before, because Kelsier, he really did hate the nobility, and he really was all about murdering these people. And Brandon has even said, like, in a different circumstance, in a different time, Kelsier with his like determination and hatred of this group and love of murdering them could easily have been like a bad guy, like a very bad guy. And he, he could have been the villain of a story if it had been a different story than the final empire. Wasn't that the entire point of Quellian's character to show you what Kelsey would be like if he just gave into all that? Yeah, I guess so. That's a good point. Like if you're, if, if you go by the stuff that Kelsey preached without understanding the man, then you get Quellian basically. Yeah, but uh, you also would have had a lot more style if it was Kelsier. Uh, yeah, I feel like Quellian lacked, lacked oh, yeah. a lot of dramatic. style. Oh, well, yeah. he, was, he was trying to find it with his constant changing the color schemes and everything else, but it's like he just didn't have his heart in it. <laughs> he, he, if he could just find the right color, he knew that he could be stylish, but he never made it. Poor guy. I mean, maybe he lives on into the new era, so maybe he eventually got there. Well, I mean... If people are descended from Spook and Beldry or whatever, mm. uh, then then technically Quellian is the world's great uncle or some shite. It's true. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so he's like, I'm proud of you, kid. And Spook says, but I almost ruined everything. He's like, Spook, if you knew how many times I've almost destroyed a city, you'd be embarrassed to talk like that. 
Hell, they barely, you barely even broke the place. They put out the fires and rescued most of the people. <laughs> okay. But he tells, he's like, Vin doesn't know about the spikes, and she has a spike too. And he's like, Vin? Oh, no. And this is where we start to get into the part that he actually remembers in the book. Where he's like, you're, you're going to wake up soon, and I need you to remember this part, even if you forget everything else. When the end comes, get people underground and send a message to Vin. And scratch it in metal, because anything not in metal can't be trusted. Vin needs to know about Ruin and his false faces and the spikes. Don't trust anyone pierced by metal. Even the smallest bit contained a man. And then Spook... We, we, and, well, we get the bit where he's like, you have a clue that no one else does. Send it flying for me. And Spook wakes up, and Kelsey's like, good lad. You did well, Spook. I'm proud. So that's nice. Spook really oh, idolized Kelsey. It's really nice that he gets this moment with his uh, idol, even if he doesn't really remember it. <laughs> and then we see Gorodel trudging and uh, through the through the ash. And Rowan's like, really? This is the best you could do? All that work, and you got one dude walking through the ash. And we get Kelsey with being like, hey, so did you ever play card tricks back when you were a regular dude? And everyone's like, I was never a common man. I was but a vessel awaiting my power. He's like, okay, yeah, but that vessel, did he play card tricks? He's like, what? No, I was a better man than that. Careful, because... Ruin. Your strap is showing. <laughs> <laughs> but Kel- Kelsey has a little speech about how he liked card tricks when he was a kid, and it wasn't like this three-card Monty type thing. He liked tricks where it was just you, a deck of cards, and a mark who was watching your every move. And Ruin really should pick up on uh, the relevance of what he's saying here, but he does not. So you think you're so clever. After he after he has Marsh murder Gordell, Ruin's just bragging. He's like, you think you're so smart? Yeah, I can't read words in metal, but my minion can. Which just makes me think of like one of the little yellow guys from Despicable Me, like trying to read this for uh, for Ruin. Baba Booey. <laughs> Banana. <laughs> and it's there's that really sad moment where Gordel's spirit pops into the cognitive realm, and Kelsier thanks him, and he goes, "I failed," and then stretches away into infinity, and Kelsier is like, oh, "I can't contradict him. I'm sorry." Can't let Ruin find out what the actual card trick is here. And after that, he kind of at least pretends to give up and lets Ruin do his stuff. And we get to the point where Vin arrives at Luthadel. It says one young woman who arrived back at Luthadel at the advent of a storm. And he watches her fight, and he is actually super impressed. He's like, she's better than I was, even. Unfortunately, against an entire murder of Inquisitors, it was not nearly enough. Did we know that a group of Inquisitors was a murder? I don't remember if that's come up before. I, I don't think we did. No, I'd never heard that term. That All I could think of was like a murder of crows. I, I like a murder of Inquisitors. I think it fits really well. Mm. And she'd call it an Inquisition of Inquisitors, but that seems redundant. <laughs> it's very wordy. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to Marsh beating Vin and interrogating Ruins, interrogating her about the Adium. And this is Kelsier's first. He's like, wait, Adium? What, what's so important about that? Yeah. And he figures it out. He's like, oh, now I see preservation's plan. Okay. Yeah, that might work. It's it's really funny how, like, the entire third book is all about the Adium and the search for it. And meanwhile, this is the first time it's come up in Kelsey's thing. He's like, wait, what? I missed something. <laughs> 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 I'm out of the loop here. What what are we talking about? Never never read Well of Ascension. Who that? 
<laughs> That's true. He, yeah. was, he was absent for all of Well of Ascension. Yeah, for all we know, I mean, for all he would have known, it's like the Adium was in Luthadel. Like, I don't think he really ever had knowledge that he was wrong and that the cat there wasn't a cache there. That's a good point, yeah. We definitely haven't seen him find out that they didn't find the cache of Adium and get super rich and stuff, so, yeah. Yeah. And so, I don't know, they add, he, the, this story, the story adds this one little bit that at the moment that Marsh, right before Marsh pulls out the earring, Kelsier kind of rushes at Ruin to distract him to give Marsh more of an opportunity. And maybe... Maybe that's the little bit too far where it's like, okay, now you're taking away from Marsh's accomplishment of like using his willpower. For me, I think it's less that he's responsible for Gordell and that it's like his card trick that is getting Gordell to Marsh when Ruin thinks he's trying to get Gordell to Vin. But uh, maybe, so maybe this is the part that's a little too far and taking away credit from Marsh. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Might have to read it again. It's also, it's like, this bit just goes by so fast compared to how it was in in the novel proper. It's like, yep. you know, in in the space of a chapter, we've gone from straight from Gorodel to Marsh pulling out the earring, and that was, like, many chapters in the book. So mm-hmm. it just breezes by so fast. It's just like, oh, God, I can't take all this in. Somebody on Reddit once asked if anyone had a reading order that would let you read, like, the trilogy – but also like the chapters of secret history where they fit chronologically within the trilogy. And I was like, you know what? That's an interesting question. I'm going to figure that out. And it's the weirdest. Yeah. And you can tell just from what you're saying. It's like, so there's giant chunks that's like, so basically all of well of Ascension takes place during this one chapter or two or one section of secret history. So you just read that in there, whatever. And then there's, there's, sections of secret history that seem to go over large portions of the books. And there's portions of secret history that are like, this squeezes into like this one tiny spot in the book, or, you know, there's a chapter in the book that takes up multiple parts of secret history, but it's just, you get to this part and it's like, yeah. So this part technically covers like these five chapters of the book, but it kind of focuses more on the last one chapter than it does on the first, on the previous four. So you might read, you know, it's hard to tell people here's the chronological order that you should read this in because it's just like, where do you put this except for maybe after the section that it relates to. Right. Yeah. But I did come up with a list and gave it to the person and they were very happy about it. I just, it's a really weird way to read this. I think secret history doesn't break up well to be read uh, amidst the main books. Also, I guess it depends on if you're reading the, the novels for the first time or not. Like if you've already read them, then I guess you could do it that way, but I think you would be you'd be robbing yourself of the experience. Oh to, yeah, no. To do it the first time. Yeah, I can't imagine I, anyone I, doing that the first time. That's a horrible no, idea. No. Because <laughs> you get all the stuff about ruin and preservation stuff spoiled like immediately. Absolutely, yeah. That would suck. Uh, but yes. So Kelsey brags. It's like do you know why I always wanted card tricks? And Ruin's like, wait, why are we talking about this again? I didn't care the first time. And Kelsier's like, because I could always force people to choose the card that I wanted them to. And Marsh pulls out the earring and Ruin's like, no, or, you know, hit the equivalent. And he's like, you made the wrong one of us into an inquisitor Ruin. You should have, shouldn't have picked the good brother. He always did have a nasty habit of doing what was right, even instead of what was smart. And then he has to give up the power to Vin, 
which we talked about, like, you know, is he going to, how's he going to arrange for the power to get to Vin? But really it's more like she starts sucking up the power and he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to give that up. I like that he sort of shouts out, it's like, over to you, Vin. Like, yeah, like, basically. It's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're not taking this power from me. <laughs> I'm giving it to you willingly. And well, and he probably, you know, he knows Vin's going to be way better with it than him, if only because she has a body in the physical realm and he does not, which was a big problem. But apparently it hurts. Like chapter eight starts with he was cloven asunder with a rendering pervasive pain, like a bone being pulled from a socket. Ow. That does sound painful. Yeah. I don't need that. And he's like, am I going to am I dying for real this time? Is that what's happening? The stretch comes on him again. He can feel it pulling him. And he it's he wanted to go. He hurt so much. He wanted to go to end. He just wanted to stop. But instead, uh, he decides, nope, I'm staying here. So he could have gone. It's not yep. a case of because he's held the power, he's now trapped there. He could have gone at any yep. time. He just decided not to. I don't know for sure if it's any time. Like, I don't know if he can choose to. At this moment, when he has the power ripped away from him, he can feel the tug again. So mm, okay. maybe it was just now, or maybe he could just decide at any time. Like, okay, I'm going now. It's, it's unclear to me. But it says he actually he digs his hands into the misty expanse around him and holds on, clinging and refusing to go, denying the force that called to him promising peace and an ending. So it says eventually it stilled and the stretching sensation faded away. He had held the power of a deity. The final death could not take him unless he wanted it to. So maybe that means he can pick any time. I don't know. <laughs> it's like. Like it, the, there's a follow-up like story about him and Spook wandering the earth, and then halfway through, Kelsey goes, "You know what? I'm done." <laughs> I feel like Spook's more the one more likely to make that call. <laughs> uh, would you piss yeah. off already? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's like Vin. She did it. She ascended. Yay! But he wakes up. He's far away from Luthadel. It's like de-ascending, and then being crushed by Rune's power had flung him far away from the city. So that's unfortunate. But he still manages to find the uh, what's going on. It says below below men were fought fought for their lives, and he saw them transcending the physical realm because of the body of a god that they were burning. So Ellen's army is burning Adium, and it looks a little odd from here, like they're transcending the physical realm. It says. Meanwhile, ruin and preservation are clashing, and Vin is doing a way better job than Kelsier ever did. It says he dusted off his and adjusted his clothes, still the same shirt and trousers he was wearing when he died during that fight with the Inquisitor, but apparently he lost Naz's knife, so that's sad. Oh, Naz is going to be pissed. Right? He liked that knife. <laughs> and then he sees Elland at that last moment when he's fighting Marsh, and we know that Elland is burning Adium and uh, uh, Duralumen. Yeah, that's the one that enhances. From this side, he sees him exploding with light, lines of white scattering from him in all directions, and it seems like what happened, what is happening to Elland is kind of the same thing that happened to Kelsier when Preservation let him see into what, what he's saying. He's seeing it fully, that place between moments. So the the thing where El, Kelsier was seeing possible futures and where he figured out how to how to get to this one where they could win, Elland is sort of seeing the same thing. But Ellen dies when Marsh slams an axe into his chest and Kelsier's like, no, not Ellen. Yeah, doesn't I don't really care. The fact that Marsh <laughs> has a sword in his neck. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't bother him that much. But of course, it doesn't bother Marsh that much either, so, you know. Yeah, sure. He's like, oh, Vin, I'm so sorry. And he's so sure that she's going to lose it. But instead, she he's like, 
she she she's gonna rage. She's gonna lose control. She's gonna rise in glory. And so yeah, Vin's amazing. He watches her destroy ruin, and he sees them die, and he sees the two shards kind of land on the ground and start swirling with columns of mist. He's like, hey, uh, nobody's holding those. Maybe I should just, you know. And that's when Ellen stumbles into the cognitive realm. And I love Ellen's line. He he just looks at Kelsier and he's like, I always imagined death as being greeted by everyone I've ever loved in life. I had not imagined that would include you. Which, yeah, no. And Kelsier (laughs) doesn't just take the obvious and just go, I know, man, everyone loves me. (laughs) I like... Kelsier knows how much Vin loves the kid, and one of the last things Kelsier did was save Ellen's life. But I think he's still a little bitter that they made Ellen king, because immediately he has to insult Ellen. And he's like, you need to pay better attention, kid. Nice uniform. Did they, you ask them to make you look like a cheap knockoff of the Lord Ruler, or was it more of an accident? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And see, back, if, if all we knew about Ellen was what Kelsier knew up to the end of book one, maybe you'd be like, yeah, take that. Ellen, but now we like Ellen. <laughs> yeah, Ellen, knock off of the Lord Ruler. What a jerk! So you're like, geez, Kelsier, really? Why you gotta be a jerk? Ellen's not so bad. And Ellen's just like, wow, I hate you already. Mm-hmm. And I love Kelsier being like, give it time. For most, that eventually fades to a sense of mild exasperation. And then he sees Says picking up the powers, and he's like, wow. Did not see that coming. He's the hero. And Ellen's like, yeah, you need to pay better attention, kid. <laughs> Bad. Immediately turns it back on him. It's nice to see Ellen hold his own. And it's funny because he's always been a little bit, uh, you know, because he's kind of riding Kelsier's fame into the kingship in the first place. And he was always a little bit uh, worried about living up to Kelsier. Not just to the people, but even to Vin, because of how much Vin cared about Kelsier. So it's kind of nice to see him immediately just kind of hold his own with this guy. I like it. This is this is why they say don't meet your heroes. <laughs> I don't know that Kelsier was ever Ellen's hero, but uh, he's a lot of other people's hero. Well, he, someone Ellen felt like he had to live up to, so. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, but Kelsier's like, wait, how is he so connected to both of them, not just preservation? And Ellen's like, yeah, he's changed in the last year. Ruin is more than death and destruction. It's peace with these things. So that's kind of nice. Way to look at it, at least. That's the sort of shit Atty never really understood, even though he held the power. Right. Like, and he, then, would, he would talk about how it's like, oh, you know, change is good. I bring peace and change and all this sort of stuff. But he didn't care. He was just all about burning shit. Yep. He, <laughs> he, he was the joker. He just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. Literally, in this case, with volcanoes and shit. Yep. But then, uh, Kelsey, then Vin shows up in the cognitive realm, and it says he, she slipped easily into the cognitive realm. She didn't so much as stumble, which was both appropriate and horribly unfair. And then she smiles, and Kelsey's heart melts, and she goes and hugs Ellen. And Kelsier stares at Says, who's expanding to become everything, it says, which that's an interesting description. Well, good for him. It was a tough job. Sazed could have it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Like He was so tempted to take the two powers, and then he does it, and Sazed does it instead. He's like, yeah, whatever. Good for him. <laughs> I guess. It's like, it's like, he's he, he expanded to become everything. He's like, oh, my buddy's becoming the planet. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. 
<laughs> and Finn's like, Kelsier, you always did make your own rules. And then they have a nice hug. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you did it. You, you, you did what no one else could do. You gave yourself up. And she's like, well, I did have such a good example of uh, being a martyr, basically. And then we have Ruin, the redheaded guy. Or, well, except it's just the vessel, Atty. He runs his hand through his hair, looks around, says, Vax? Sounding confused. And Kelsier goes, excuse me, and walks up and punches him in the face, lays him out. And then says, excellent, and walks away. Hey, man, I know what it's like. It's hard to get a vaccine here, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not. Uh, everyone should should go and get a vaccine. It's it's super easy to get. This public service announcement from the Sanderland. I'm pleased that uh, Kelsey I got to punch him. Yeah, he completed the 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 set. Yeah. How many how many gods or shards can you punch? <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's his quest. Yeah. yeah. If he really wants all of them, he's, he's like, got to get like 14 more. He's that's like, it. I'm going for all 16, baby. <laughs> Gotta punch him. Oh, gotta punch him. <laughs> All the shots. <laughs> the music kicks in. I want to be the very best. <laughs> to punch great. them is my real test. Okay. Hey, Spook, we're going pu- to punch God. Which one? All of All them. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and Spook is just like, wait, does that include Sazed? Oh, yeah, no. Well, we'll leave Sazed. I've already punched uh, uh, Ruin and Preservation. Yeah, okay. I don't need to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do tonight, Kelsier? Same thing we do every night, Spook. <laughs> Try to punch God. <laughs> it's kind of reminiscent of the uh, his Dark Materials trilogy, where in oh, the yeah. end they're like trying to kill God or whatever. I think that's what happens. It's been like a decade since I read those. so <laughs> That's sort of what happened. That's That's like the side story that's going on. While the kids are just trying to, you know, survive. Oh, man. I got, I'll have to reread those at some point. It just, it bothers me by the end of it, because the books start out really fun. And then by the end, I feel like they're just really preachy about religion being bad. And I don't necessarily want to be preached at on either end of this spectrum. Like, I don't want to read a book that's just religion. Yay, you should be religious. But I also don't necessarily want to read one that's like, no, religion's the worst thing ever. You should hate it. Why don't you hate it enough? Which is what I felt like we got to by the end of those books. Yeah, I, I read it sort of differently. I read it sort of like in dogma, where it's saying like, religion isn't necessarily bad, but blindly following doctrine is. Hmm. I may have to reread those just to give it another chance. Maybe I uh, I saw things too black and white when I was like a teenager and I read those. Yeah. Anyway. I will travel across the cosmere, searching <laughs> far and wide, to punch them in their stupid faces, is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Kelsier turns around, and Sazed is standing there, but Sazed is also up in the sky. He's like, wait, aren't you up? And Sazed's like, yeah, part of me is, but, you know, uh, I'm God now, so whatever. He turns around and he's like, Vin, Ellen, good to see you. Uh, I fixed your body so you can go back to them if you want. But Ellen has begun to stretch out to infinity. And Vin's like, yeah, I don't think it works that way. And this is where we get uh, – this is basically what Sazed wrote about at the end of the book where he's like, I fixed their bodies, but apparently that doesn't put their souls back. Um, I'll probably get better at it. But she gives Sazed a kiss, and she's like, thank you. And she starts to 
She grabs Ellen's hand so she can go with him. And Kelsey was like, no, Vin, wait. You don't, you've held the power. You don't have to go. And she's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, no, please don't go. Stay with me. And she gets to uh, throw back at him kind of what he said to her, his last words to her about, like, you've got a lot to learn about friendship. She's like, Kelsey, you got a lot to learn about love, don't you? And he's like, what? No, I, I know about love. I mean, you know, everything I did, I overthrew the final empire. That was all about love. And she has a very insightful, uh, I mean, she smiles and has this insightful thing where she's like, you're a great man and you should be proud of what you've done. And you do love. But I don't think you understand it. And she's like, you taught me an important lesson about friendship, and so I'm going to return that. You need to ask how much of what you've done was about love and how much was about proving something. Can you answer answer that honestly? And he can tell – he can read between the lines. She's basically saying, like, how much was about us and how much was about you? And he's like, I don't know. Like Truthfully, I'm not sure. And she says thank you, and she disappears with Ellen into the beyond. A brutal send-off, but – yeah, but there, I, mean, I don't know. There's, there's, there's the underlying. It's like she genuinely loves him and he genuinely loves her, like in that mm-hmm. paternal sort of way. But it's like, you know, you got to come to terms with the fact that, you know, you're not perfect, Kelsier. And, well, and the thing is, there's no one else, I think, that really could have, like, given him that message and that he would have heard it. Yeah. Even if, if Says tried to say the same thing to him, I don't think it would come across the way it did when Vin says it. But he, he spends the whole time just admiring how much she's grown. It's like, she these these kind of smiles, these kind of things that she could not have given me when I first met her, when she was so paranoid. And I, I think it's a nice highlight of like Vin's character arc through the series. Yeah, man. I mean, she was wrapping up food to save for later, just in case. Uh, at the beginning, you know. <laughs> she was keep. She had she had to keep track of where everyone in the building was so that she knew that. What you're about to say, like she lets go of his hand and goes into the beyond and starts going, "I left you a sandwich under the sink." <laughs> <laughs> and then the last chapter is uh, the whole world is changing and Kelsey is just kind of walking around hands in his pockets uh, watching the end of the world yeah it's very like it, it's a very like kingdom hearts ending where like all the land is like moving and the worlds are going back to the way they were and they're just like walking through this weird like in between space you're just like mm-hmm. well it's weird yeah it, it's it, it, the description is so it's like yeah so you know forests sprung up and then were replaced by deserts and which were replaced by oceans just all in this like in a bl- the blink of an eye basically that says kind of changed everything he just over it all he just hears says singing that song from road to el dorado it's tough to be a god <laughs> i've never seen road to el dorado there's a song called it's oh tough you gotta to be get on god. that man oh my gosh it's it's basically an animated abbott and costello movie interesting okay it's a lot of fun is that a Disney one? No, that was... Okay. Uh, I think early. it's a DreamWorks. I think it's DreamWorks. Because I was like, if it's on Disney yeah. Plus, I could watch it. But if it's DreamWorks, I don't know. It's like, uh, I bet you it's on Netflix or something. Okay, you, you've convinced me. I'm going to have to go and watch that. It's like the, the two main characters are played by Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branner, I think it is. And like, really? They recorded, they recorded in the booth together, and so they spend the entire time just riffing off each other. It's fucking hilarious. That's great. Those... Those two do not strike me as like a, a, a riffing off each other comedy duo, and yet it worked. Interesting. I was, okay. I think it was. I think it was them. I'll double check it was them, but I think it was. Uh, yep, Kevin Browner and Kevin Klein. Oh, huh. okay. Let me check it out. We'll have to see where that is. Uh, okay, sorry. Back to the thing. Sazed 
shows up again and he's like, Kelsier, I'm going to be honest with you. This is not the ending I had in mind when I joined your crew. I was not intending to become God when I signed up, but I guess I'll take it. And we find out that uh, Say says he can't bring them back. The beyond is a place I cannot reach. So even uh, even having two shards power, he can't reach into whatever comes after. And this is where it's like, hey, you do me a favor. I mean, uh, you know, fix Spook up. His body's in rough shape. Maybe make him a Mistborn just while you're in there. <laughs> while, you're, while you're futzing around in there. Just uh, <laughs> go ahead and throw him a bone. That's fine. And Sace is like, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. And then Kelsier's like, so what do you think, Sace? Is there a way for me to get out of this and back to live again in the physical realm? And Sace is like, uh, no, I, I don't think so. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Huh, Kelsier thought. <laughs> he holds the powers of creation in twain, a god among gods, and he's still a terrible liar. Days, <laughs> do you think I'll ever return to life? Uh, I gotta go. I gotta do god stuff. <laughs> god stuff later. Hey, Says, is this some sort of gay thing? No. Are you, Are you sure? sure? <laughs> yes. yes. Well played, clerks. <laughs> <laughs> I want you lock, stock, and barrel. Battle. Yeah. Oh, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> but yeah, so the epilogue, we get a spook perspective, which everyone is waiting for uh, the return of spook perspective. Oh, man, on uh, <laughs> I'm on Tinder hooks over here, <laughs> waiting for it. And and not only that, but spooks like, man, it sucks that I'm living in a mansion while everyone else is uh, living in crap. Oh yeah, so horrible. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's like, um, it, it sucks that we don't have glass. If I leave the shutters open, bugs get in. The perfect new world is a disappointing amount of normalcy to it. It's like <laughs> Sace couldn't get rid of the bugs. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no, bugs. I really wonder how well, like, normal bugs did when, like, it was raining ash from the sky. I feel like that's not good yeah. for your wings and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't imagine so. That's why they evolved these weird kind of ground mosquitoes. <laughs> Oh, terrible, yeah. terrible they things. They burrow up through the ground and like bite the bottom of your feet. <laughs> like, damn it! They're like, they're like, they're like bite like stinging prairie dogs. They just poke the proboscis up and just go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's horrifying. I don't want to. I don't want a proboscis yeah. sticking out of the ground. No. That Plus, you know, it, it fits with this whole theme of spikes everywhere. Mm, okay. Yeah. But Breeze is giving him instructions on how to be king, and Ham is training him in weapons. And Belger's going to expect him down for dinner shortly. <laughs> Breeze is instructing him how to be king. Yes. Now, Spook, first lesson. Always ask where the wine cellar is. <laughs> always Second have question. some guy standing there to get wine for you at all times. <laughs> Second lesson. Do not ever leave the wine cellar. Barricade <laughs> yourself in there if you have to. <laughs> get everyone else to do things for you. You're the king. You shouldn't be doing stuff. I'm so tangenty today, but have you guys ever read the the Three Musketeers? I want to, but I haven't. No. There, there's a great point where like the four of the four of the main characters go on like this this journey together for an important mission, and there's they're being opposed at all turns. Like there's the, the bad guys are out to get them, and gradually along the road, are the main character is forced to leave each of his three friends behind at a different spot when they get into some sort of trouble that's been engineered by their enemy. And so it's like days or maybe even weeks later that he's coming back down this road, having completed his mission and trying to find each of his friends again. And one of them 
he lost when like they were paying for their hotel and the guy in charge of the hotel was like, these are fake coins. This is a forger. And he calls for the guards or whatever. So he gets back to this hotel and he's like, hey, have you seen my friend? And the guy's like, oh, God, I, it's so horrible. What has happened to us is Ren managed to, like, shoot a couple people as he was trying to escape and went through a door into their wine cellar and then blockaded himself in the wine cellar and has spent all this time <laughs> drinking his way through all of the dude's wine. And he's like, we're going to go broke. We can't provide any wine to our customers. And he's drinking it all. And sometimes he just breaks it for no reason. <laughs> it's just the best. Oh, that oh, is amazing. amazing. I, I got to go read that just for that alone. Wow. Yeah. You're really selling it. Alexander Dumas, who knew? And it's like, we, we, I tried to go to like the, the authorities and like get help. But they were just like, well, that's what you get for, like, falsely accusing a gentleman of counterfeiting. You deserve whatever's coming to you. <laughs> you deserve to have your wine drink. Yes, that is that is that is the lesson, like, to be yeah. learned, kids of today. If you falsely accuse someone of something, they're going to drink all your wine. Exactly. Yeah. Every <laughs> last drop. <laughs> you don't want that, kids. Yeah. They're going to drink all your scissor, too. Don't even think that your scissor is safe. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know about scissor? Purple drink? I don't know about scissor. No. I have no idea what that is. What is scissor? It's uh, it's like a thing rappers drink. It's like Robitussin mixed with some other shit. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound good. No. It, I'm pretty sure it's terrible for you. <laughs> let's see. Let's let's Google the old scissor. <laughs> <laughs> what is scissor made of? Let's see. No, it's purple drink and scissorp. It's a purple mixture of drink. Yeah, it's a mixture of codeine, cough syrup, soda, and hard candy. What the fuck? Yeah. Wait, why is there hard candy? Because it's scissorp. <laughs> oh. Okay. Interesting. I guess I guess you can customize it. It's just soda, so you can pick whichever soda works best yeah. with the codeine for you. Well, if it's purple drink, you're gonna want some codeine. Maybe maybe you put some grape soda in there. I don't know. Uh, well, no, it's just the cough syrup is purple, right? That's sorry. Uh, so syrup's probably not what the kids are drinking, right? They're gonna come and drink all your white claws. Oh yeah, white claws popular. All your white claws and your topo chicos and all of your you know your hard seltzers. Yep, hard seltzers are a in. lot of words right now. Anyway, sorry, just, it's Tangent City today. It's great. Um, it's my fault too. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, so sorry. so Spook is uh gets a delivery, and somebody somebody managed to talk a uh, a smith into making this earring out of an Inquisitor spike, which they don't want to do. Nobody wants to handle Inquisitor spikes, which I don't blame them for. Did they disinfect like, it? Hopefully, right. <laughs> so it's like I'm not sure why you wanted this so much, Your Majesty, but here you go. And Spook is like, you are the king. Yeah. Like, I guess you can, you know. Spook's like, why did I want this anyway? I feel like something's whispering in my dreams. Get a spike forged. An earring or old Inquisitor spike will work. You and can find one in all, the cavern. He's not at all suspicious about this. After everything he went through involving getting a spike and having to rip it out, he's not at all suspicious by this. Right? I guess he figures, I guess he figures, like, it's an earring. I can take it right out. Who even knew he had pierced ears? I mean, yeah. He probably didn't. I, I assume That's he's piercing it with the earring. Mm, okay, yeah. Fair point. And then Kelsier just shows up. So I guess Kelsier's been hanging around 
like just waiting for the moment, like following Spook up and downstairs, just waiting to see when he gets the thing. Yeah, he was following the delivery guy. He's like, oh, my God, it's here. It's here. It's here. <laughs> Today's the day. Yeah. Oh, I said, oh, my God. I should have said, oh, my sage, it's here. It's here. It's here. Yay. <laughs> and Spook's like, oh, jeez, you're dead. Vin killed you. Say's book says so. He's like, no, it's, it's okay. I'm the real one. Which does not help. So it's like, I, it, yeah. God. It's like, that's, that's exactly what the fake one would say. That's At true. Best, yeah, exactly. This is, this is Say's living out of fantasy and dressing up as Kelsier. <laughs> say something only the real Kelsier would know. Uh, he starts talking in the slang. Ruin could never figure it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. probably true. He's like, wasing with the what's up? What's up? <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> wasing with the what, what up? Yep. Uh, He's like, no, you've got them both now, a broken mind and a hemallergic spike. So, so, okay, Spook's mind is still broken, apparently. They've got a crazy guy on the throne. Let's just establish that right off the bat. That's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Remember at the end of the first book where we thought Ellen was a bad choice? <laughs> yeah. I told, I told you guys when we finished the trilogy, I was like, really, this guy? Okay. <laughs> well, he, he's he's the only Mistborn left, maybe. So they're like, you're, you're the most powerful. We will let you be king. You that are the strongest. Not- <laughs> that is not an adequate prerequisite for making someone <laughs> no. king. Not at all. Not even Str- a little. What is bit. it? Strange aquatic ladies handing out swords is not an appropriate method of government, or whatever the yeah. word is. Yeah. Well, you know, and the genetics should still be in the people to to have misborny powers. No, it's true. I'm sure there. I'm sure there's still somebody could be born. Well, maybe, there, maybe some survived. Actually, Who knows? He did. He did change people's genes when they, when he changed the world. So maybe not. I don't know. And Spook's like, I think I'm going to be sick. After Kelsier's like, no, this is great. Uh, our work is vi- important, vital. We're going to unravel the mysteries of the universe, the Cosmere, as it's called. Uh, our like, work? What do you mean? And Kelsier smiles, and he's like, I think I'm going to be sick. Dude, I'm <laughs> king now. I don't have time for this. Kelsier makes a point because he's like, hey, look, it's a big, it's a big universe out there, bigger than we knew, and not understanding almost – just ended up destroying the, our planet. So we're not going to let that happen again. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Says, I mean, uh, Spook needs to know that there are other worlds out there if he's going to be an adequate, like, protector of their world or whatever. Yep, start working on that Space Force, Spook. Yep. That, we're going to we're gonna get to the, the, the next era where it's like an Old West and they're going to have Old West spaceships. It's like, do you think the horses can pull them into outer space if we get them going fast enough? Or... <laughs> Yeah, or just be like, uh, you know, be like Kenneth Brennan and have a giant uh, mechanical spider pull them into outer space. It's fine. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, you know, spiders are the the most vi- efficient killers in the animal kingdom or whatever. I don't yeah, know. These, gra- these grand mosquitoes might give them a run for their money. <laughs> That's true. I still want to see this Nicolas Cage Superman fight a, fight a spider, but I guess we never will. Yeah, it's fine. I, I can live without it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's, so he's like, Kelsier says, if I learned a lot of stuff while I was God, basically, if I'd been concentrating on this whole hemology thing, I think I could have figured it all out, but I know enough to be dangerous. And between us, we're going to figure out the rest. And, uh, Spook's like, I don't think I want to do this. This is not good. Um, I don't have to do what Kelsier says. He's not even alive. I don't even know if this is the real Kelsier. And Spook's like, why would I care? Kelsier's like, well, you know, the Lord Ruler was immortal uh, because of a combination of the powers. So 
you're already misborn. You got 50, you're 50% of the way there. Don't you want to know what else might be possible? We have a whole pile of Inquisitor spikes and nothing to do with them. Ew. Ew, indeed. I don't want, no. But yeah, uh, I feel like Saves should really step in at this point and be like, whoa, right? whoa. Wait, guys, what are, you, what are you doing? I leave you alone for five minutes, Kelsia. Seriously, Saves should appear and be like, hold on, let's talk about this. And no. banished to the world of the dead. It's, and Spook's like, wait, so what do you get out of this ghost, Kelsier? He's like, yeah, no, no big deal. Just a little thing. Uh, someone told me that my string was cut to the whole, uh, the thing that holding me was holding me to the physical realm. We're going to find me a new string. And that is the end. Sorry, exactly what Rune was He's doing. going to take Rune. over somebody's body. <laughs> Rune wanted to like find a way back into the physical world. He wanted his body back. Now Kelsier's basically looking for the same thing. What the hell? That's true. But Kelsier, Kelsier, I mean, Ruin wanted his body, so he had all of his power so he could destroy the world. Kelsier yeah, sure. just wants back in the game. He's like, I've been dealt out, and I want back in. So, yeah, back in black. That is the end of Secret History. It's a hell of a thing. And now we will move on to our short story, which I'm going to give a little background for before we get into it. But basically, The Traveler was something Brandon said he started writing back in, like, 2009, 2010. He was going to do this short story. And he got a little ways into it, and then he decided, no, this is going to give away too much stuff that I don't want to give away. I'm not going to write this right now. Then Secret History came out, and he was like, well, basically all the stuff that I was afraid of revealing in this story, I already revealed in Secret History. So I'm not going to go back and rewrite the whole, and write the whole thing again, but I will read – he read this at a con. He's like, I'll read you guys what I had, what I'd written up. And he's like, I won't commit to 100% like every line since it hasn't gone through – the normal reviews and stuff. So he's like, I won't commit to 100% every line is canon, but basic this conversation or one very much like it happened in canon as far as I'm concerned is what he said. So it may not be 100% exactly this, but close enough, uh, it actually happened. And that's why uh, I decided that we would read it because it's uh, it fits here chronologically pretty well, gives us a little more information, not a whole lot. And, uh, is the only source of this conversation that supposedly either happened or something very similar happened. So, And since it's so short, we're going to do a little play, or dramatic reading, I guess, is more the the correct terminology. And so Jamie's going to do, uh, I think she decided the, uh, the prose, and the other two will uh, be our actors. Uh, so whenever you guys are ready... A focused southern breeze made the trees sound like they were chattering. Tiny, crisp leaves spreading the news of the traveller's return. Pure white leaves clustered along branches like skeletal limbs. Even the bark clinging to the trees was white. In some lands, white meant purity. In others, it meant death. Here, it didn't mean a thing. It was simply normal. The traveller sat on the mossy white ground, back to the tree, legs crossed idly as he picked at a pomegranate eating the seeds one by one, then spitting out the pits. They fell on the stark moss-covered ground, leaving red juice like blood running across a sterile white floor. To say he wore rags would have been an insult to many a good wife who kept her washing rags in much better shape than the traveller's costume. Ragged brown and black canvas, tattered cloak and scruffy beard rubbed dark with a black material that might have been soot or ash. The leaf suddenly fluttered excitedly behind him and a strange puff of wind blew across the trunks. A moment later, a figure in a simple grey robe walked into the clearing. Clean-shaven and silver-haired, he had the look of an aged scribe, not haughty but tired. So, 
You're back, the elderly visitor said. Did I leave? I am the lingering odour you can never quite locate, my friend. Just when you think I've faded, you open your cupboard and find, in an overpowering reveal, that I've merely been ripening. (laughs) That's a new look for you. The traveller looked down at his ragged clothing. I've been learning to blend in. Hard to do that in one of my normal costumes. I doubt you'll ever be the type to blend in. You'd be surprised. Is that soot in your hair? Maybe. (sighs) The elderly man sighed, walking across the short clearing and settling himself down on a large protruding tree root. You can't keep doing this. The traveller continued to eat his seed, though he had started to chew them up rather than spitting out the pits. You will just make things worse. Atty and Laris are dead, the traveller said, picking a piece of seed out from between his teeth. The elderly visitor said nothing, and the traveller eyed him, leaning in closely, studying the man's eyes. The pupils were rimmed with a silver far too metallic to be natural, at least for a human. You sly old lizard, the traveller said, pointing. You already knew you were watching, and here you are chastising me. I did not interfere, the elderly man said. You meddle in things we promise to leave alone, things that we... Traveller held up a finger, interrupting him, and slowly he pointed at the older man. I made no promise. You made your choice. Why now seek for things you so eagerly denied? My friend, it's the dangerous desire, the lust for power best untouched, that created the situation in the first place. The traveller did not reply. Two sat for a time, listening to the winds through the garrulous trees. Did you find what you were seeking? The elder man finally asked. The traveller shrugged, picking at another seed and nibbling on it. You will not find a way to restore what you have lost, old friend. The aged man said softly. It is impossible. You don't know that. The old rules no longer hold. The traveller turned the pomegranate over in his fingers. Besides, I've heard of a place. It doesn't matter. I don't care. This isn't about the dead. Or it's not just about the dead, at least. He dropped the fruit to the ground, wiping his fingers on his riding coat. So, it's a simple vendetta, then? The aged man said, sighing. (sighs) How many years have you lived, and you still can't learn the wisdom of just letting go? A simple vendetta? The traveller said. He rose, stole up to the older man holding finger and tucked man's chest. You saw what Atty nearly did. The traveller leaned down, face even with that of his older companion. I would not think it my vendetta that should worry you, old friend. Good job. Okay. <laughs> Is, okay. Yeah. Before we before we do anything else, I have to ask, were we... Were we... Shooting for Jack Sparrow with the Traveler? Because that is where I felt like we went at the beginning here. Fuck yeah. what? Yeah, that's what I heard too there, buddy. I heard some Jack Sparrow in there. No, oh I heard um, Mark Hamill doing the Joker. I, saw, I heard a little bit of that in the middle and the end, but at the beginning, it was like, so he tell you the truth or he told you. you know, I heard a lot of Jack Sparrow at the beginning. <laughs> I could safely say neither of those entered in my head when I was doing that voice. I was actually trying to, as much as I could, imitate the Prophet of Truth from Halo 2. Oh. Oh, I was playing Halo 2 today. Yeah, actually. right before we started the call, Joe was like, I'm playing Halo 2. Maybe I'll stop playing that and play something else that's not so loud. <laughs> oh. that's, that's, that's hilarious. Okay, 
I'm gonna. I, I, I might give you guys some information about what we're seeing here. But what do you guys think uh, about this? About what do you think's happening here, et cetera, et cetera? I'm not entirely sure. Well, <laughs> I guess the traveler. I think where we're saying is the sexy drifter. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think so. Especially and... if he's come back covered in ash slash soot. Yeah, he's he just came back from Skadrial. Yeah. He says he's. He's, he specifically rubbed his beard dark with it, so he's trying to disguise his white hair. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Anything else that uh, you can pull out of here? I mean, it's a lot of uh, not much familiar, I know. I mean, I would think maybe, like, maybe these guys are a couple of shards, or the elderly man is another shard, perhaps. I don't know if they're shards. I Like, they definitely know the shards, because they know Atti and Laris, uh, Laras, but... I don't know. Just from the way the traveler was talking, it sounds as though he's got a bone to pick with the shards. I think he actually might be out to just take them all down himself for some reason, or he's just—he's got some sort of grudge against them, and he's pissed. And like from what they were saying, it's like, all right, so the shards killed someone that he knew. Maybe he was BFFs with the original god uh, Adonalsium, and like he's mm. just—and he's just kind of pissed that. The others killed him, so he's been floating around trying to find out what they're doing, trying to find their weaknesses, maybe. I don't know. I'm really shooting at the every, every which way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and I and, and I think this kind of I'm still gonna go with the theory that I came up with, and I think this might kind of fit in. Both of these guys may have been a part of the coup to take down Adonalsium, and at the time when the when the shards were when uh, when Adonalsium died and the shards were created it's possible they were offered the chance to become shards and they both turned it down and they said, okay, well, if you, if you're, if you decided, if you've decided you don't want a piece of this power, then you can't interfere with anything that the shards are doing. Like you have to do your own thing and you're, you're not allowed to interfere. And, you know, they made that choice that, yeah, they weren't going to do that. Well, I'm more interested by the, by basically he says that the elderly man was watching. So something about metal in his eyes, he was able to watch maybe the events that were going on on Skadriel. Maybe he was there in the cognitive realm as well, just hanging out, watching stuff. I don't know, but I do find that very interesting. But yeah, I think I'm going to stick with these guys were there when the shard happened, when the shards happened and that they turned down involvement with that power. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, there's clearly, well, at least one of them has uh, apparently agreed to something or promised something. Uh, the other one is very emphatic that he did not promise that thing. So that's fair. All right, I'm going to give you guys some information. That there's no other way you could get. So some stuff that we know uh, background-wise as far as Brandon's writing goes, and then maybe point out a couple things that uh, people are guessing or that are leading to certain guesses about this piece. So first of all, the place we are is this place that is just it, it's described to meaning everything is white. The trees, the bark, the leaves, everything's white, right? We obviously at this point we have no even the the ground is white. It says because it says that the juice from the pomegranate is on the sterile white floor. We don't we have no way of knowing where that is, uh, where where he might be from what we've read, right? What we can take is that from some unpublished stuff that we know about. So basically. I told you guys that he's talked about writing the history of uh, of Adonalsium and the shattering and stuff with uh, the, sh- the the shard holders, the vessels, as he, the, he was called here. 
with them as like main characters in the story called Dragon Steel. Dragon Steel is also the name of a book that he wrote telling sort of the story, but he wrote it as as his like master's thesis for his English degree from BYU. And it's it, it's not ever going to be published because there's a bunch of pieces of it that he's taken from that story and put into other stories at this point. So when he does finally go back and write Dragon Steel, it'll be very different from what is currently or that previous thing. But the interesting thing about that is because it was his official master's thesis, it is part of the BYU library. And if you go there and want to join a very long waiting list, you can read it. Hmm. And because of that, and because he's published or posted on his website a couple little chapters uh, from the beginning of that, I think he's subsequently taken them down. But one of the things we know is it takes place on that original planet that Chris talks about, the source uh, of humans in the Cosmere. And the planet was called Yolan. And that planet had this situation where stuff was white. Everything is white. So that is leading people to conclude that that is where this scene takes place, is on that mysterious, the planet that Chris said is lost in the Mm -hmm. Cosmere. But these two at least know where it is. So maybe perhaps all the shards knew. Right. I mean, when, and I think theory, I think they're supposedly all from there. That's where those, the dragon steel books would take place is on Yolan. So they would probably know they're very old. Uh, if it's since been lost, they would probably still know where it is unless somebody uh, lost it on purpose and moved it or something, I guess. So that's one thing that we kind of know about this scene uh, based on background information. Something that comes up in it that leads to further theories is the thing about his eyes being the the metal that's too metallic or far too metallic to be natural, at least for a human. And then the next line he calls him, you sly old lizard. So that leads to a theory that this person that he's speaking to is in fact a dragon. Ah, maybe they're both dragons then. Possible. Uh, We really don't know that much more about it. We do know, or at least I I don't know if he's said it or if it's just a theory. The the other guy's name is Frost. That's the dude's name. So, uh, dude, are you serious? Yeah. Okay. no bullshit. I just made a Dragonborn character in my Neverwinter game named him (laughs) Frost. Nice. So I think my space dragon theory is correct. Then these guys are space dragons. That, that that's how he was watching what went on on Skadrial because he's a space dragon. Yeah, he's a space dragon. There you go. See, so just a couple more little details uh, that help you guys get as much as other people are getting out of this without any spoilers or anything. Yeah, and when Ellen used the power of Duralumin mixed with Adium, he knew, he fig- he figured out that space dragons exist, and he is going to come back, and he's going to be a space dragon writer. <laughs> <laughs> How to Train Your Space Dragon. That's the next one. Got it. Right. Fighting a motherfucking space dragon. Worth it! (laughs) So I don't know that we need to do a predigment section on this episode because I don't know what anyone would be predicting at this point. Uh, If someone has predictions that you want to throw out there other than space dragons, because we we did that, I'll open the floor. Anybody have something you want to predict? I feel like we really only... All covered the fact that it's like, oh, you know, Kelsey and Spook are going to go around trying to punch out every god they can. That's true. <laughs> oh, I want to see that. I want to see that. Like, <laughs> I want to see that as like a, a television show where it's like every episode they're looking for another god to punch out. 
<laughs> and then, like, immediately, all the episodes end super abruptly. He finds the guy, punches him out, and then the credits just roll. <laughs> See, in my mind, it was more, it was like the, the montage at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. kick some asses playing, and they're yeah. showing up at everybody's houses and punching them. It's like, are you, uh, <laughs> are you Lorassium? <laughs> or Loras? Yeah. Do you, do you do, use God stuff as devotion? Um, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> like, throw the book away. Just stop it. <laughs> I would if I could. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. That, that's fine. We're going to get into... Oh, well, speaking of, for next time, we are going to be reading the prologue and the first three chapters of Elantris. So, that is the next episode. We are starting Elantris. We need, like, a little jingle or something that says, new book, new book, new book, every time we... We start one. Yeah. We need that. <laughs> I, I was like, I thought the new song just like did that well enough. Like we're gonna have a brand new song <laughs> show, but okay. So we have three emails this week. The first one is from Sasha, and she says, during Kel's stint as preservation, we don't see him continue Laras's meet and greet psychopomp duty, except for Gordell. But what if he is? The fallen survivorist would feel vindicated. But imagine if you were a noble and the first thing you saw after you died was the survivor of Hatsin. Would you be like, I'm going straight to super hell, aren't I? <laughs> super hell. So, I don't know, do you guys think that Kelsier was doing that? And would it be weird? Like, I, I never considered it, honestly. It would be polarizing, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. Polarizing is a word for it, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always assumed that he wasn't. And that was part of the reason when, as the preservation was dying, he really read him the riot act and said, do better. Like, stop toying with people's hearts and minds as their god when you're not doing your godly duties of helping him to the afterlife. That's how I read that. Hmm. Yeah, I just didn't think Kelsier was bothered with it. He had other stuff going on and he just got that power. So it's not like he's like, oh, I need to, I have a task that I have to perform just like preservation did. I don't think that's really in his brain at all. Yeah. Honestly, I think people would already be having some cognitive dissonance because whether you believe in the Lord Ruler or even the Survivor, those people are dying and meeting some guy, mm -hmm. uh, preservation, yeah. who's they know nothing about, who's like, hey, it's okay. And we don't ever see anybody be like, well, who the hell are you? Except for maybe Kelsey, or maybe that counts as uh, right. something that he said. Yeah. But uh, most people don't last long enough, it seems like, to be worried about it one way or the other. Yeah, it's like for all they know, that's like a guy that just stands at the gate and be like, okay, you're, you're all right. See ya. Mm, yeah. And preservation never really seemed like he understood that side of things anyway. Like, he didn't really understand how people operated. You know, like, you think about how he was talking about the Lord Ruler was so great and everything like that. And Kelsey's like, have you seen what he does? And, and preservation's like, oh, yeah, I don't agree with that. But still, look at the guy. So he didn't really get human feeling anymore. So... It, it wouldn't bother him if people showed up and was like, who the fuck are you? Like, he'd just be like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm the guy here. That's cool. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, okay. So that was Sasha. Thank you, Sasha. It's an interesting, I like when people bring up these, like, perfectly reasonable questions that I've just never even considered before. Like, yeah, was Kelsey doing that? And if you, what would people think? Yeah. So those are some of my favorite kind of emails. The next one is from Il Mavavi who has written before. Uh, this person's from Finland. They, they talked about in their previous email. I thought I'd remind who we were talking about. Uh, they say in the third episode of Secret History, 
you wondered why Addy and Laris would be in the same place, why Preservation and Ruin decided to team up. They say, I think this is because Addy knew that the intent of the Ruin shard would eventually change him, and he voluntarily limited himself to a place where his opposite would be able to keep him in check. Uh, suggesting that basically Addy maybe was a, a decent guy and knew the, what this power would eventually do. And it says, by the time of the Mistborn books, the Shard's intent has completely changed him. And maybe he was planning for that. So, interesting theory. Hmm. Interesting, if true. I don't know if there's much I can comment on there, but it's a, it's a different way to look at it, at least. And it kind of answers that question, or at least it's one possible answer to it that we had. And our third email is from Jason who says, hey there, it's been a while since I sent an email. Nothing really to say. Anyway, now to the meat. I should have known it was my email that convinced you one way or another about secret history. At least now we can see the crew theorizing about Hoyd. He's one of my favorite characters ever. To respond to whoever rated the books, I can't tell voices, okay? That was Joe who rated the books, by the way. Mistborn is actually my least favorite entry in the Cosmere. Many people touted it as their favorite, but I agree that it's often slow at parts. Stormlight Archive is significantly better as are the standalones. And I don't know that I agree with you, Jason, but uh, everyone's entitled to their opinions. So. Uh, they sure are. I can't wait until you move on to Elantris, genuinely one of my favorites. But for now, Secret History is good, too. I recommend coming back to it as you learn more about the workings of the Cosmere. Maybe write it down word for word, Dak. Also, uh, that was Joe that was writing. The, he really can't. <laughs> yeah, this guy, this guy really has a problem, doesn't he? <laughs> don't, don't, don't put that on me. <laughs> Also, yeah, I, I, I was is, is this uh, writing weird? down the epigraphs word for word. That was me. Is, is this his weird? This is, this is J. Jonah Jameson, isn't this? Is Jefferson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is payback. He's like get, get like talking to Joe, but getting giving him my name instead. That's this what is, it is. This is retaliation. I was like, what? You can't tell an Australian from a non-Australian? What is wrong? No, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to get inside our heads. Don't let him. <laughs> Also, upon reading Secret History, Cosmere fans fall into two camps. Kelsier is a bastard affectionate, and Kelsier is a bastard derogatory. Which are you? Um, Gotta be, be both. I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's an interesting point, too, Dak. I would say because I don't know the end to this story, because potentially based on what we've read, his story is not over, I cannot say one way or the other for certain what I would lean towards at this moment is uh, a, a bastard, you know, affectionately. <laughs> because I think, I would hope that after Vin telling him, like, you have a lot to learn about love, I would hope that he would go on and learn about it. Mm. Um, and, and that that would be a good thing. So it would kind of be sad if it, if it swung the other way. Sure. I think it depends on the view you get of Kelsier at the time too and which, I guess, which standpoint. Like, so we had uh, in Secret History obviously a lot more of an introspective view of Kelsier and I think there are lots of, I guess, sort of redeeming moments for him in here. Mm -hmm. But if you were sort of just on the receiving it, like a lot of that emotion and feeling he wouldn't necessarily convey to somebody else. So, like, Spook, for example, was like, oh, well, you know, you didn't love me and blah, blah, blah. You know, he only knows that now because Kelsia has had that conversation with him. But we all know how Spook felt about it before that happened as well. And it's like, well, you know, in that case, I would be like, well, it's derogatory. But there's 
there's a lot more to what he like he does actually feel things and he is trying to do the right thing by people but he doesn't come across that way from the outside I guess mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on which view like we as a reader in this particular story I lean more towards affectionate but you know yeah it's in other stories it's like well maybe not <laughs> maybe you're just an <laughs> asshole <laughs> it's funny because spook really did look up to him and like wanted his approval and stuff so much and wanted to be like him. But then when Kelsier shows up at the end, he's like, Oh, I don't know that I want to be involved in this. So it's uh, even the case of the cat, what you wish for. Yeah. But uh, you you can love Kelsier and uh, it doesn't mean that he's not still a bastard. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's a, it's a thing. And I don't want to pre- prejudice you guys much uh, about the book that we're about to start, but it's interesting that Jason brings that up because Elantris is uh, – I talked about how, like, uh, Well of Ascension is very polarizing, where for some people it was their favorite book of the trilogy and for some people it's their least favorite. Elantris is the same way in regards to all the things that he's written. Because it's his first published book, there's definitely – in the writing, there's some stuff that he became better at as he went. There's, uh, uh, you know, the, you, you can see his evolution as a writer as he's writing books and improving his craft. And that leads some people to have it as their least favorite. But at the same time, the story and stuff, a lot of people really love. And that's what makes it their favorite. So it'll be interesting to see what you guys think as we go into it. Interesting. So thank you, everyone who sent emails. If you would like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the places that things happen on the interwebs. I'm on vacation this week, so I don't know if I'll actually update the Instagram this week, but uh, we'll see. Music is either by me or by Miracle of Sound. <laughs> yeah, could, 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 could go either way at this point. Yep. Pending review. And uh, this, this, this is where we put the new book jingle, maybe. It's like, new book, new book, new book. I'm the map. New I'm the map. Book. I'm the map. Oh, no. <laughs> We were playing that in, on some DVD players in the car. We took a four-hour car drive today, and so the babies needed some entertainment. And so there was some Dora happening. Um, so that's in my brain yeah. now. <laughs> so uh, the jingle would be like, it's a new book. It's a new book. Get ready, you guys, because it's a new book. New, yeah. new. New, new. <laughs> and then you get one of those like automated voices going, the new book is Elantris. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the, yeah, that's what you need is the automated voice. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> anyway, remember, for next time, we are starting Elantris reading the prologue, which is extremely, I think it may actually be the shortest thing we've ever read, plus uh, chapters one, two, and three of Elantris. So come back for that. I am really excited. We are finally, uh, after a year and change, we are leaving Skadriel behind for a while to do something completely different, and I'm really you know as fun as it is to build and get more and more in depth building on this story that we've been doing for all this time the 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 finally the thought of doing something completely else uh, and seeing what everyone thinks and maybe we're resetting maybe joe is like i love everything about this and dax the one who's like i don't know you know just the possibilities are are really exciting to me so come back for the beginning of elantris wasn't to the time of next everyone then and Orser being best friends together forever the fun never ends solving mysteries one kill at a time 
Venom and Orser, two of a kind. 